Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Acts chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. And we are in this third message of this series. If you missed the first week, I actually preached out of Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2. You can go online and catch that. Last week, we talked out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on the discerning gifts. Next week, unless God interjects, we'll be talking about the declarative gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I could not, on Pentecost Sunday, with a good conscience, teach you about the Holy Spirit without giving you the opportunity to know more about Him and actually receive Him. And so today, again, we're going to go deeper than we've ever gone, but I promise uh, I won't be weird if you're not weird. We got a deal? All right, we got a deal. We're good. You promised. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. Let's read this together. We're going to have a good time today. If you believe it, say amen. This guy says amen a lot. I know. It just gives me confidence. Amen. All right. It says this in Acts chapter 8, verse, verse 4. It says, therefore, those, this is, by the way, this is during the expansion of Christianity, 120 people in the corner of Palestine, and it spreads to changing the known world, and it ends up at the book of Acts at the end in front of Caesar in Rome. And so you could call the book of Acts the expansion of Christianity in 30 years. And so we're reading kind of in the middle of this expansion during revival, during this massive awareness of God. It says this, verse 4, reading 13 verses. It says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. All the church leaders went out. They were preaching what they saw, what they heard. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And a multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing. Hearing and you got a lot of churches and you just hear. We want, to be, we want to be a church that you can actually hear the truth of the gospel, but also see the power of it too. If, if, if the gospel doesn't have power, then pastors are just TED talkers. Are you hearing me? This is not a TED talking church. We give room for the power of God to have his way. So it goes on and says this. So they saw and they heard the miracles which they did. Unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice. They came out of people who were possessed. There were many who were paralyzed, that were lame, and ended up walking because they were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Let's, let's look at this. When God shows up, it doesn't create arguments. It creates joy. So before you get all scared, like, oh, my gosh, what if something happens today? It creates joy, not weirdness. Come on. Can we get an amen in the church? I feel like I'm walking around a bunch of shard glass on the floor right now. Stay with me, I promise. We're going somewhere. It says, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. He was into the occult. And uh, in the city, he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Pause. The Holy Spirit and his gifts make Jesus look great, not try to draw attention to ourselves. You go to some churches that are spirit-filled, and everyone wants just the microphone. Because they want to be seen. They want to be great. They don't want to make God great. Are you tracking? So he wanted to make himself great, saying, this man, I'm the great power of God. I'm the greatest thing ever. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. Verse 12. But when Philip preached to them, the people began to believe the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. They believed. They believed. Someone say with they believed. Number one, believed in Jesus Christ. Both men and women were, number two, baptized. And Simon himself believed, and he was actually baptized, continued with them, uh, with Philip, and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. 
Last verse. Now, when the apostles who were with him in Jerusalem heard Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Why? Let's read one more. Who had come, when when they came down, excuse me, I can't read the service, came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Let me stop. Qualify all this. They believed, they were baptized, but the apostles said, we got to send Peter and John because they're missing something. Believed, water baptized, let's send Peter and John, they're missing something. So let's keep reading. So they laid hands on them in the name of the Lord, and they received the Holy Spirit. For extra credit, let's go to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, verse 1, kind of a funny scripture. Let's read it. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some of the disciples. These are Jesus lovers, followers, believers. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Who went to that church growing up? I grew up in a denomination that said, no, that's, that was for yesterday. That doesn't, that doesn't exist. You believe, you're baptized, you go to heaven. Listen to me very clearly. You don't ever have to receive the Holy Spirit, quote-unquote, the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in a prayer language. You do not have to receive any of the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But I do believe there's a level of victory that you'll never experience in this life without the Holy Spirit. All right. So let's pray. I want to talk to you today about getting what you came for. Write this title down. It's my my thesis today, Getting What You Came For. Sermon. Big idea. I ask you today, Lord, that for the next few moments we'd have a good time. I thank you that I love these people. I thank you that you love them even more. I ask you today that, Lord, you would show us how real you are, how powerful you are. And even last service, how you showed up in a magnificent way. I ask you that once again, you would show us how amazing, how powerful you are. We love you. We invite you. Have your way. In Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. Anybody gone shopping before? We're in Orange County. You better say something. Shopping capital of the world. Who's ever gone? I want to be real with you. I think guys and girls, for the most part, are primarily different out of the gate because most guys, not all, most guys, when when they go to the mall, they go on a mission. We're not walking hallways looking to cause our checkbooks to be deficient. We go shopping with intentionality. Now, uh, my wife just likes to go look at stuff. And when I say look, she likes to buy. But I've learned this, that when you go shopping, you go shopping for different things. I like to go with with a purpose in in mind. My friend Brad invited me to go hunting the other week. And so I had to go buy camouflage clothes, which was a bit of a chore in Orange County. I'm from Idaho. You can get camo in CVS in Idaho. I went to Dick's Sporting Goods, Big Five. I went to Walmart. My God, I went to Walmart. There's no camo in Walmart in Orange County. We might be the only Walmart in the world that doesn't sell camo and NASCAR paraphernalia. Who are we, Orange County? It was crazy. I went shopping. It was wild. And, and I just, I, I, I was looking for camouflage gear. Couldn't find it anywhere. And I've been, I, I, a couple months before that, I went shopping for a pair of basketball shoes. And uh, it kind of reminded me when I was a kid, I remember my mom used to always take us shoe shopping at Payless. Who remembers Payless? Someone's like, remember Payless? Forget you, preacher. Still living my best life. If you shop at Payless, you better go early in the day. 
while there's matching shoes in the box. Payless is a different experience. And then I, I realized this, uh, that I went to Foot Locker to buy these particular shoes. And Foot Locker is a different experience than Payless because you just point to a shoe on the wall. And then the referee disappears for 30 minutes. It's a different experience. He goes back behind the wall where there's six miles of hallways with shoes stacked as high as El Capitan. And he puts his climbing harness on. He, he actually free solos 3,000 vertical feet. He grabs, he's looking for your size 11, but he comes back with a size 14 and a 9. We didn't have 11, but we have 14 and a 9. He's trying to make it work. I think he's working off commission. I'm like, the 9's going to crush my foot. And the 14, I'll have to probably stuff some toilet paper and four pairs of socks to get in those things. I came in the store to get basketball shoes. He tried to sell me on some tennis shoes. And I'm like, do I need basketball shoes? But I, I've learned this. I'm very, uh, I'm very intentional. When I go somewhere, I want to get what I actually went there for. I think that's the way we are as human beings. I think that we all have an intrinsic desire to get what we go to get in life when we want to get it. And what we can all agree on today is that human beings intrinsically are wired with really four big questions. Origins, where did I come from? Who's ever thought about that? You don't have to be a Christian. Every human being at some point goes, where did we come from? Where was, like, we came from God. Like, well, where did God come from? Who's thought that before? Well, when was the beginning? What was before the beginning? Where's the end of space? Is there a wall? What's on the other side of the wall? <laughs> you start asking all these weird big questions, right? Origins. And then we all wrestle with the next question, meaning. Does life have a meaning? Is there purpose, significance? Am I just some random cosmic accident with a bunch of molecules and cells and hair follicles and, 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 and teeth? And what am I? Am, am, is there meaning to this life? And I, I do believe that all of us have asked the question, what am I on the earth for? If there is a reason. And then beyond meaning, we all wonder about morality. Everyone wonders, okay, is there certain things that are right? Is there certain things that are wrong? And many people say there is no right, there is no wrong, but it's interesting that throughout history, murder has always been seen as bad and courage has always been seen as good. Could it be that God put an internal compass inside of all of us that has some sort of ability to discern between right and wrong? If we were just cosmic gas and, and accidents, we wouldn't have the, the ability to decipher between, okay, hurting kids is bad. Who would agree that hurting kids is bad? So by signifying that there is a wrong way to live life, there must be an acknowledgement that there could be a right way also. But we don't like that as human beings. We like the benefits of the kingdom of God, but none of the responsibilities. We want our chores money without the chores. We want to believe in heaven without the existence of a hell. We like the idea of a good divine figure without the idea of a demonic figure called the devil. And this is what we do because we want to create a God that's in our likeness and our image. But it doesn't say that, we were, that, that God was made in the image of man. It says that man was made in the image of God. I said it before, but I'll say it again. In the beginning, God created man. And ever since, man has been trying to return the favor. Meaning, morality, origins. And then finally, what about destiny? What about what happens after you stop breathing here? Where do we go? Is there an afterlife? Is there eternity? Is, is, is this thing real that we're talking about and teaching on? 
And what I've learned is, is that I believe all of us came here on the earth. All of you came to this church. All of you are where you are in life, I believe, for three predominant reasons. I believe there's three things that God desires for every human being. Can I share them with you today? Three things. I want you to get what you came to earth to get. I want you to get what you came to church to get. I want you to get what you came to Orange County to get. I moved to Orange County for these three reasons. Number one, I came to Orange County because somewhere in my life, I realized, actually, I'm going to spoiler alert this, they are all three things that God wants to immerse us in. Three things that God wants to immerse us in, baptize us in. Number one, he wants to baptize every one of us with the knowledge of who he is. He wants every human being to know who he is. We've read the book of Genesis, right? The fall of man. Adam ate the forbidden fruit. It was a Macintosh. <laughs> Tough crowd. And we lost. It says that he walked with God in the cool of the day. It says that they knew each other, that he named the animals. There was fellowship. And we lost that. And pretty much you could summarize that the first three books of the Bible was God's original design. And the last 1186 chapters of the Bible was God's idea to get us back to his original design. So the beginning is what we lost. But I want you to write this down. We gained more through Jesus than we lost through Adam. We lost fellowship with God. We lost knowledge of God. We lost the ability to walk with God in Genesis. But I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us a, he gave us a access birth certificate to be a part of his family again. And we gained more in him than we lost through Adam. Can I just get one amen? And so what we see here is that the goal of Christianity and the goal of this life is really, number one, to know God. I fundamentally believe that is the birthright of every human being. That God wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. Write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 states this. It says that the baptism, that the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Jesus Christ. Into Jesus. Into the body of Christ. So when you believe, it's a conversion experience. And what you're doing when you believe in God, there's three, three verbiages we could use here. You could say this way. It's salvation, if you're a churchgoer. If you're not a church goer, but you're like, something changed in me when I started going to that church. I started to believe. Salvation is belief. Belief. And belief is when you actually, when you turn from who you were and you start turning to God. And what happens is that we can do that because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So the first thing is, is, is the baptism into the body, which is believing. And then it goes on and says that the second type of baptism is found in a, it's actually interesting that it's found, uh, second baptism is, is the baptism of, of water, water baptism. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus, almost his last words, he goes, go into all nations and baptize them into the name of the Father and water. So water baptism is a big deal. And then uh, the third baptism, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase all of this, is spirit baptism. When you're baptized into the Holy Spirit. Well, here's going to get quiet in the church. Is that, do you know that in the Old Testament, all the way to the end of the Bible, we see all three baptisms? Do you know that everything in the New Testament is actually found, if you look hard enough, in the Old Testament? This is cray-cray, but guess what? This is wild. The children of Israel, they got out of slavery by ten mighty plagues. The last one was the blood, the blood of the Lamb, and it saved them from death. It was the Passover. And guess what happened during the Passover is it was the blood of the sacrifice of the lamb that saved all of God's people. That is the first baptism, the baptism of the lamb. Baptism of, of salvation, of, of belief. And then the second baptism, it says they crossed through the Red Sea. Four million people crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. 
Theologians say that crossing the Red Sea was a type and shadow of water baptism. How do you know? Because in Colossians 3 and Romans 6 and 7, it talks about how you're a new creation, that old things have passed away and new things have become. How do you know? Because all of the enemies of God's people died in the waters of the Red Sea. Do you know why you get water baptized after you believe in Jesus? Because it cuts away with your old life. It severs the enemies, the addictions, the vices, the skeletons, the things in you that are dark, that don't please you or God. When you pass through the Red Sea, guess what? All of the, the most powerful military on the earth drowned when they tried to follow God's people through baptism. Some liberal scholars say, well, it was just high tide and the, the water was only about knee deep. That's what liberal, when you start trying to eradicate the Holy Spirit, you will make weird theology. I'm like, it's a miracle either way, because they either, they either drowned because the waters came in and crushed them, or they drowned because they didn't know how to swim in knee-deep water. It was a miracle either way. There was, there was water baptism, and then, thirdly, there was spirit baptism, which we find, this is interesting, in Exodus chapter, uh, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 28, ironically, this is the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50. It was 50 days after Passover. Passover was in mid-April. Pentecost was early June. And here's what's interesting. 50 days after the, the, after the, the Passover in Egypt, Moses came down from the mountain in Exodus chapter 32. And guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? As he walks down, he brings the law, the Ten Commandments. And as he does, 3,000 people, because of their sin, died the day the law was given from Mount Sinai. And then about a couple, a couple uh, thousand years later, there's 120 in the upper room, Mount Zion, and they actually have an encounter with God. And that day, 3,000 people come to believe and are born again because where the law brought death, the Spirit brings. Interesting. And it says that at Mount Sinai, when the, when the law was given, the cloud descended on the mountain. That was the Spirit. I can show you in Ezekiel, all three showings of water, of, of spirit, and of belief in God, or, or, or sacrifice, or blood. I can show you throughout the Bible these three things, but we just read it. We read it in Acts chapter 9 or 8, that it said that the believers in this city, in Samaria, it says they believed, they were baptized, but they got together, they said, hey, something's not fully there yet. Let's send Peter and John and give them what they're missing. I want to be very clear on this. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit's power. But you can't live the life of victory that you need to live without being filled with the full power of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to clap today, I give him a good hand clap because he's here. I promise you, I'm not lying to anybody. It's interesting that throughout the Bible we see that Jesus himself, he is the only person, and by the way, Jesus came for three reasons if you want to write this down. Here's some basic doctrine. He came for number one, Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. Number one, why did he come to fulfill all righteousness? Number two, he came to fulfill all the prophecies. All the prophecies in the Old Testament, he came. You know that in his last, his last like three days, he fulfilled like over 50 or 70 prophecies in the last three days of his life. Imagine if you were to, uh, let's kind of make this real for you. Imagine if you went in your backyard and you found a little time capsule that was written in the 1800s that forecasted a... Uh, two world wars, a nuclear bomb uh, that forecasted a Great Depression, the assassinations of Martin Luther King and JFK, what would you think about the transcripts in that box? If you read it now, and it was written in the 1800s, 
would you believe in the validity of what it said? Well, this is what happened in the Old Testament. Hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus came, things were written about him that he fulfilled. So he came to fulfill righteousness. He came to fulfill prophecy. And number three, guess what? He came to give us an example. You know what's interesting? In the four Gospels, there's very few stories that are in all four of them. You know what was in all four Gospels? Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that the whole, the, all four Gospels, it says that he, uh, in the Gospels, four things happened. Uh, the wilderness was in all four Gospels. The birth of Jesus was in all four Gospels. Water baptism was in all four Gospels. His death, burial, and resurrection. And the last thing that was in there was when he got baptized by John. It says that the Holy Spirit came on him like a... We always think in the conservative church that, that a dove came on Jesus like the Holy Spirit. I don't think the church screws up Greek. I think they screw up English. Look at the sequence of words here. It says that the Holy Spirit came on him and remained. Do you know what the evidence of the Holy Spirit is in your life? Not that you visit the Holy Spirit, but that he lives and dwells in you. I remember before I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I I could, man, I could be in an atmosphere that I could fill God, pray for people, and I felt the power come through me. But I leave those environments, and I was still mean. I was still kind of cranky. Still wasn't very, like, filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But when I got my prayer language and God filled me up, it was crazy that it changed my temperament, changed my interests, my passions, my desires. Are you still with me today? So it's interesting here that there was, there was water baptism, spirit baptism, and there was, there, was, uh, there was belief. There was the first being baptized into this idea. So Jesus is our example. How many think if Jesus got spirit-filled that we should probably desire the Holy Spirit? You can write it down if you want. If you don't believe me, you can look up all these passages for yourself. But in Matthew, Matthew chapter uh, 3, uh, verse 11, it says that the Spirit came on him and rested like a dove. Mark 1, 8, same story. Luke 3, 16, same story. John 1, 33, same story. All four Gospels show that Jesus experienced and was filled with the Holy Spirit. I could take you through, again, all, from, from, from story after story, that people asked, they believed, and they began to speak by faith in, the, in, the, in the, the power and the language that the Holy Spirit supplied. I'll never forget, I, I was telling my, my friends the other night, I said, I became a Christian when I was 16 at a summer camp. I knew that God was real. I started crying, I felt this presence. I said, God, I give you my life. The next year I went back to that camp in Idaho, and someone said you could be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in a prayer language, a heavenly language. Like, crazy, <laughs> weird, but he started telling me to pray, so I'm like, all right, I want all of God that I can get, and so I just started praying, and he just said, whatever God gives you, if it's a syllable, a thought, a sound, just speak it out, so I'm like, all right, and all I got was, da, I'm like, this is stupid, da, he said, just keep saying it, I'm like, no, <laughs> he said, keep, I said, all right, da, I said, da, all right, da, da, and literally, the more I doubted what I was saying, the just the more angry I got. And I heard God speak to my heart and he said, Mark, are you going to trust me? Or are you going to keep on doubting me? Everything in the kingdom of God is by faith. Do you know that? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, dude, you believe in a God that was born from a woman that was never intimate. You believe in a heaven that you can't see with your physical eyes. You believe in someone that you've never met physically, her audibly, and you're telling me that I'm crazy because I believe these scriptures. 
I want you to know this is wild. I started, da, 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 da. And the moment I said, God, I'm going to do this by faith, it was so wild, man, that it started coming like more and more fluently. Shada, 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 shamande, shamande, kegele mamode. And I started speaking in this language. Listen to me. My brain was like, don't know what's going on. But my spirit felt closer to God than I've ever been in my entire life. I can't explain it. It's a mystery. Some of you are like, that's weird. You know what's weird? Fax machines. You know what's weird? Dial up internet. Rest in peace. Come on, pour some out for dial up internet. Remember dial up internet? How can those weird noises transmit a digital signal that gives me access to the largest archive of known power on the earth? Well, that's fine, Mark. That's just technology. How about the Holy Spirit being the power of God? What if he speaks through you like it says in Romans 8 with utterances that cannot be understood because no one knows the spirit of a man except the spirit, or no one knows the man except the spirit of the man, and no one knows the, the, who God is except the spirit of God. He says that when you don't know what to pray, the spirit himself will make utterances through you that cannot be understood, but it comes out of you like, and an image goes through to heaven. God's like, I got it. I got the order. Send him the miracle. I think it's so funny that we try to bring God down to our intelligence. Would you do yourself a favor? Your eight-pound brain can't handle God. Because a God that you could fully understand with your eight-pound brain is not an eternal God. Do you know that an eternal God is so big that all of eternity will not describe his greatness? You'll be learning about God for the rest of eternity. Chew on that. Put that in your pipe and smoke that. You'll be learning about God for eternity, and you'll never figure him out. But we're like, I don't know about the Holy Spirit, man. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. It has to be interpreted, right? Yeah, it does. But not always, because sometimes Jude says in Jude 1 that you speak in the Holy Spirit, and it builds up your most holy faith. It says in other times that they had the gift of the Holy Spirit. They spoke in unknown, studied languages. Some people mocked at the Holy Spirit. Some people were confused by the Holy Spirit. Others marveled and said, this is pretty rad. What type of person are you today? Do you mock it? Are you confused by it? Are you open to it? I love the idea here that we find in scriptures that there is, a, there is something that happened in the early church. And I want you to know this, that Peter was a coward until the Holy Spirit filled him up. The early leaders were cowards until the Holy Spirit filled them up. Do you know why God gives us power? Not for status, but for service. God will give you a courage and a power to fill you up so that you can actually go out and be a witness to him to the world. Why do I feel like I'm not very bold? It's because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. We read the Bible, I want the apostles, I want the apostles' horsepower, but I want to use my domesticated gas. God gives power to those that receive his power. We want the outcome of the apostles, but we want the intake of our modern-day culture. You know why they had power? Because they invited the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit will take cowards and make them bold individuals. I was scared of public speaking. I was fine in classrooms, but I would never grab a mic. I would never speak in front of a big crowd like this before I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't have boldness. My father-in-law was shy. He was like the shyest guy in his school. His dad was a Nazarene pastor. They said, that doesn't, it's not, don't worry about that. Disregard those scriptures. And he got filled with the Holy Spirit in college, and he would go on to become probably one of those prolific pastors in the history of the state of Idaho. Phenomenal orator. Why? Because he got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We always say the last words of Jesus was go. It wasn't go. 
Luke 24 and Acts 1 is the, is the last words of Jesus. It wasn't go, it was stay. It was stay in Jerusalem until the, until the promise, which is the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be endued from, with power from on high. And when you are, it'll be like dynamite. Listen to me. We say dunamis all the time. Dynamite was not, was, we don't name God after dynamite. Dynamite was named after God. And we see here that there's, a, there's this, crazy, this crazy thing that happens is that these guys, they believed, they were water baptized, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting? The tabernacle of Moses. Do you know that there was a procedure to get into the most holy place where the presence of God was? They had to do three things. They had to go in. They had to sacrifice on the altar. Someone say blood. That's how we get access is belief. Then they walked into the, the holy place, and they actually watched, they washed their hands right there before they came in at the laver, which was water. So there's blood, which is belief, sacrifice, blood of the lamb. They washed in the water, and after they washed in the water, they had to be anointed with I want you, I didn't invent this protocol. Quite frankly, I wish it was a little bit easier. I wish I could just go, hey guys, good news all the time. No challenges things. No doctrine that's hard to understand. No things that are a little bit harder to swallow. Some things are a little bit harder to chew. I wish everything was like bubble gum. But I didn't create the sequential order of the Bible. God did. And it would happen in Bible days if you tried to break the order of scripture and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wash my hands and I'm going to sacrifice an animal, but I don't need that oil. In Bible days, you would die when you went behind the veil. Because priests didn't choose the order, God did. And today, you know what we want? Is we want the presence of God, full access. But we want full access with water and just blood. We don't want the oil of the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge us today that even the patriarch Abraham. Abraham had a, had a changing moment when he left his people and he went to the land that God would show him. That's belief. He had another moment that he had an encounter on a mountain that cut off some of his, his previous experiences, which was uh, water, like a water baptism type of transformative moment. And the third one was when God showed up and changed his name to Abram. He was Abram. You know that Abraham only is two different letters? H and an A. A was already in his name. It repeated the letter. The only new letter introduced to Abraham was H. You know that H in the Hebrew language is where we get ruach from. It means breath. Breath is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So when God comes to Abraham and changes his name, he actually has to breathe on him. Ruach, breath. You ever met someone that got a prayer language and experienced the Holy Spirit, but their spouse didn't? And it kind of creates a weirdness in their marriage? Abraham had the same thing. God changed his name right before he changed Sarah's name, Sarai's name. And Sarai got her name changed too. You know what God had to do to her? He had to remove her I and add his H. You know what some of you want? You want God's H, but you won't get rid of your I. I don't believe. I don't think this is real. I don't like this. I don't think this makes me feel comfortable. I don't really fully grasp all of this. You'll never have his H until you lose your I. And God changes name. When God changes names, he changes natures. And I want you to know, no one knows the power of God except the Spirit of God. I want this. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, but man, if you could get more, don't you want it? I love last service because there was 70-year-old 70, 70 man and his wife that were, that were literally receiving the Holy Spirit that never received it, received the last service. 
talked to him a lot, his tears all down his cheeks. Another guy said, I've, been wa- I've wanted this my entire life. No one's been bold enough to teach on this. And I want you to know, I want to stand before you and say, man, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It changed who I am. I was at a camp. <laughs> I was trying to keep it together. Man can come up here, I'm about done. I was trying to keep it together at this camp. We had all the, the best football players at Boise State. I was a chaplain. And we had all the popular football players at this camp that were going to play in the NFL the next year. So I'm like, all right, we'll have a powerful camp, but not too powerful. So I don't want to weird these guys out. So we're at this camp. It's powerful, man. And the service is about done. And all of a sudden, I have my eyes closed. And I start hearing someone speaking in a prayer language. And I got mad. I'm like, no. I thought for sure it was some, like, hyper spooky church kid. I'm like, oh, my gosh, all right. How do I fix this? I'm trying to help God out. Come on, spiritual pastor here. How do I fix this? Guy's so loud. Just be quiet back there with your little tongue thing. This guy's yelling like full volume, and I'm just like irritated as heck. And I'm like, finally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to open my eyes and figure this out. Open my eyes. It is our star cornerback. Go on to play in the NFL. And this kid, he grew up in the church, but never, never in a church like this. And this dude, as I'm trying to land the plane and finish this, I'm like, all right, guys, going to wrap this up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Open my eyes. It's, and this is who it is. This dude starts praying full volume. And it was, you can tell when someone's trying to make a scene. And you can tell when someone's like, can't help but to be the scene. One, one pastor said that, that water baptism is when you get in the water, but spirit baptism is when the water gets inside of you. And this dude started, like, this power came over, started shaking, started speaking in this unknown tongue. And all the other football players, there's like 15 of them there. They were all looking at him. And I thought they would be freaked out. They were like, this is crazy. And then they're like, all right, I want it too. I think he's standing like this. And they try to go like this. And all of a sudden, dude, one. The next one. Next one. Pretty soon, there was about, there's probably about 200 people in this upper room in our campground. And everyone in that entire building that night got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. So what, dude? I'm telling you to change these people. I can tell you about people that became senators in our state because they had a God encounter at a camp and got filled with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you about people that would go on to become counselors and doctors and professional athletes that had encounters with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that is speaking in tongues is from hell. Hell has failed. Because every time I speak in my prayer language, I love Jesus more. I love the Bible more. I'm more godly. I love people more. I'm more heavenly minded. If speaking in tongues is from the devil, I want you to know that he has completely failed. And I would go further to say, because there's churches that say, man, speaking in tongues, that's like demonic. There's a big church in Idaho that said it was demonic. And I thought it was so funny, because we had all agree, if you ask God for a job and he gives it to you, who gives God credit? I asked for it, he gave it to me. If we ask God, God, would you give me a girlfriend? And he brings a girl into your life. How many believe, come on, that God answered that prayer? Sounds like, yes, Lord. He answered that prayer. But we somehow think that, like we ask God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? That he's going to give you a snake. It was like, I prayed it, but the devil came, intercepted it like a great defender. And he put a scorpion inside of my larynx. Jesus said, if you being evil, not a good, good things to your children, how much more? Will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I want to boldly proclaim to you that I, I believe you can go to heaven without ever receiving it. But I'm just saying, all of our church leaders had it, so why wouldn't we want it? How do you know? 
Paul and Barnabas, man, it says, uh, no, Barnabas and Philip were men full of the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 6 that we shouldn't wait tables. Find seven men with good reputation that are full of the... The criteria for leadership in the early church was being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, I read one liberal, I read a bunch of liberal scholars all week. It was so funny. And all these dudes are like, Paul was against speaking in tongues. The dude said, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than everybody. I don't know how you got that, but it's like, are we drowning in knee-deep water here, people? This is blatantly obvious. And I want you to know today, there's three things that God wants that you can have in this life. What did you come to earth for? You came to earth to know God, to experience the power of Him transforming who you used to be into who you could be through water baptism. And you have the access to a free gift called the person of the Holy Spirit who will make you bold to stand before God and before people in this life. And you can go to heaven without Him. But why would you if you have access to Him? Well, what if He like takes control of me? He if you have the gift of giving, does your checkbook jump out of your pocket during the offering and jump into the bucket? I, I don't have control. It just comes out. Well, if I pray, I just lose control of my words and God starts praying for me in these English words. You pray in your English words. So why would you think that when the Holy Spirit comes on you that he's going to possess you? I'm going to start doing weird things. I'm going to start crawling up the walls. Start slithering like a snake. I want you, the Holy Spirit is not weird. There are weird people, but we are not a weird church. Can I get a good amen? I'm not going to teach them this every week, but I want you to know where we stand, that we believe that being spirit-filled is not a Pentecostal thing or a charismatic thing. It was a early church thing. It was. Well, clapping in church is charismatic. No, it's not. David said, clap your hands, all you nations. Shouting in church is charismatic. No, David said, shout to God with the voice of triumph. It was in the Old Testament. This is not a charismatic thing. It is a Christian thing. And we're like, I don't know, man. I think it's for other people. It's for everybody. But you can come and you can go and never get what you came for. God brought you to this earth to receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to be, can I be really bold? You can receive him in this life or you can receive him in the next life. But I just think if you get to heaven and you receive the Holy Spirit up there, you're going to be like, man, I would have probably done more things in life with him. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.